Welcome back, YouTube. Hi, YouTube. We here. All right. Bonus. Bonus sucking. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. Yeah, this is the This List Sucks official bonus episode. The official bonus, though. And just like this seems to be, I guess this is something that we do in bonus shows because we fuck up and we forget to talk about everything that Rex has done for us so frequently during the regular show that we're going to use this little bit of time before we jump into the actual record that we're going to talk about on the bonus show. Just to recap some of the things that Rex thought about um the last three albums from the regular show because we didn't we didn't mention anything that he said about Blur, Primal Scream, or Tupac. So he's got input um, too. Absolutely. So with Blur, he says, nice early 90s Britpop, kind of dig it. Spoken word track on self-titled song. Impressive guitar duet on Bank Holiday. This whole album is like visiting a genre of the British invasion. It tells of influences from the Kings and Oasis on Trenton Jackson. We did read that we one. We did read that yeah, one. Yeah, we did read God that one. damn it, we're fucking dumb. Well, Rex, we're just, dumb. we're just reading your thoughts twice. I know, that's all we get. Okay, but let's talk about Primal Scream because we yeah. really, really loved it. And he says there's a Stones influence on this first track and that's what I'm gearing up for. Then the second track hits. I hear early U2 in the vocals. That beat reminds me of a Garage album. And I know this album is too early for that. The longer it plays, the more I'm into it. Did not ever expect to see an album like this on this bullshit list. A cool house album, like putting it on and getting lost in my work and going down this rabbit hole. Not sure if it belongs on this list at all. That's kind of fascinating because I think he heard the exact same things that we heard. Yeah, especially considering what he said up to that point. It sounds like he was going to say, yeah, no brainer. It seemed like he was into it, but, but on second thought, maybe he's not. Tell us. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, we'll have him on the show. You're going to have to fucking explain yourself, Rex Todd, when yeah. it comes to We're going to write that down. We're going to memorize. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to. <laughs> We're going to call back to this at some point. You're on trial. <laughs> yeah. um, and then lastly, uh, with Tupac, he's with us. Yes, just fucking yes. There are better Tupac albums out there, but this is a trip back to wearing Jinko Jings and Suede Pumas. <laughs> Classic beats and hooks, flows, and artists of an incredible time in hip-hop. It will always be considered an ultimate track list of some of the best West Coast rap, West Coast rap in history to me. An incredible double album. Yeah. yeah. But then he said, bold claim, not the best Tupac album. See, I don't think that that's that bold of a claim. I th- and, and I don't know what Rex would say. Rex, tell us what what's your favorite Tupac album? And maybe this, and maybe this is his favorite Tupac album, but that could be speaking to some of the things that I was talking about just with a lot of, a lot of people latched on to Tupac was really big into just um, social justice, if you will, you know, before social justice became a tag word, like he was talking about a lot of stuff that was impacting people of color in the ghettos and whatnot. Yeah. And you get a lot of that on Tupacalypse now. Yeah. And he was in a lot of ways, like he was, he was super revolutionary when it came to that type of jazz. He was super, he was super educated. Too. So maybe not the most impactful record in terms of lyrical content. Yeah. Um, and the effect it had on society at the time, but, but music bangs. Yeah. It bangs. It really bangs. And, and, and he recognized that, right? Yeah. He, he said that. that. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So Rex, listen, just, just gear up, gear up for primal scream. Cause we're coming at you with both guns Hard. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but with all of that being said, um, this is just a little bit of bonus material. We don't want to include this into the normal um, into the normal podcast because the normal podcasts are already long enough. But we are working our way tr- um, disc by disc through the Reddit snub list. Yes, that was forwarded to us from OnlyLee.com's Lee Stamper. And so we're just the one and only. Yeah, the one and only. So we're just working our way through that list. And this week we've stumbled upon the first entry from Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, because one of the notable entries on the snub list was that every Queens of the Stone Age album was left off. Was left off. So we saw no better way to do that rather than just go through all of them and say which one of these, if any, belong on the big list. list. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that this list is bullshit, which we agree with you, this list is bullshit. But if you're gonna say that it's bullshit because every single Queens of the Stone Age album was left off, well, we just got to see what you we got to see what you're really we got to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. So so we started with the very first one, self titled from 1998, Queens yep. of the Stone Age. Yeah, and this is um, stoner like stoner rock or stoner metal is kind of what this gets classified as which i've never really understood that because to me that's a i guess that's a subgenre that i've just never explored enough to understand what the hell they mean when they say stoner rock for stoner i think it's just that it's like drony and repetitive i guess because that kind of shit appeals to stoners i guess <laughs> um I but, guess. but i think that's what it is it's it's, it's drony that that's definitely one of the characteristics characteristics um yeah it's almost like a subgenre of grunge to me. You don't agree? It sounds more like Black Sabbath. This does? You think so? Hmm. If I, I mean, listen, if I had to put my finger on an influence and you only gave me the two choices of Black Sabbath or um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. I'm going to finger Black Sabbath before I finger Smells Like Teeth Spirit with this yeah. record anyway. I hear Alice in Chains in this. Like, I hear bastardized Alice in Chains, to be clear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's be. Let- I don't mean in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because when you say I hear Alice in Chains in this, all I think of is. And there was how one song. I love Alice in Chains, you know? Yeah. And there was one song in particular that I thought sounded like Alice in Chains. Which one? Which one? Um, shit. Uh, I wrote it down. Just give me a second to find it. Yeah, no, you're fine. Um, Walking on the sidewalks, track number four. All right. Remember that one at all? Yeah. Yeah. I loved the bass on that. Yeah. Really dug the bass on it. The bass was actually... So before we get into the the things that I... The scathing criticism that I have for this record. <laughs> the bass was cool. There were some really cool bass lines, and he was very fuzzy with the bass. It was like distorted bass, which they don't always you don't always hear a lot of like overdriven bass guitar, and that was kind of cool. And it was some cool bass lines. And a lot of songs started with bass. What were you gonna say? Tell me what you wrote for Mexi Cola. Uh um I literally wrote this one's okay with a question mark and th- that had like a, that, that was one of the ones that had like the kind of an evil fuzz base to start off, which was kind of cool, you know, what, but I didn't love it. I'm going to tell you the truth. What'd you think? What do you think that base was tuned to? It was probably a little bit lower, but it wasn't like crazy low. I didn't think, did you think it was like some drop shit? Yeah. I, drop, 
it was probably at, drop D or it something. It was at least drop D. And yeah. there was a part of me that I was wondering, like, if they didn't. I mean, there was. I was questioning whether that was dropped even more than D. And here's the thing: like, if you're gonna do like a drop tuning like that on a bass, or if you're gonna run a five string rig, right, where you have that bottom B, yeah. <sighs> Don't fucking distort it. Yeah, you think so? You don't like the distorted I don't, bass thing. I, listen, I like. It's not that I don't like distorted bass, but I don't like distorted bass when you get into the extreme low registers of the instrument, which because it sounds like a fart. It just sounds like shit. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like so, it sounds. <laughs> it sounds like a mud puddle is what yeah. I think it sounds like. You know, because it's just it's dirty and it's not well formed. Because yeah, it doesn't have any kind of yeah, it doesn't have any substance to it. It's yeah, just, there's no body to it. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like this fat blob of distortion. And I'm, it's not. Listen, it's not my favorite sound. Yeah, it's not my favorite sound. I hear you. So, what do you think of the album as a whole? Do you think it's a snub? No, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't. I mean, as in, um, the artist. Right. As an artist, Queens of the Stone Age, maybe if you get deeper into their catalog, maybe there's maybe. something there that you could put on this list. Yeah. So that's going to be the theme of what I'm going to say, because I'm not writing off Queens of the Stone Age yet. Yeah. And the Queens of the Stone Age that I have listened to is later stuff. And but to tell you the truth, when I listened to them, it was because I had a friend that was really into them. And I listened to one of the later records and I don't remember what it is because it left very little impact on me. I didn't think it was great. I didn't dislike it, but I disliked this record. I didn't think it left, it had little impact whatsoever, I think. Um, it came across as a band that like had the bones of a good band, like a good rock band. Like everything was stacked in their, I mean, it was a decent instrumentalists and they good instrumentation, but it just, it was lifeless to me. Like literally lacked substance, zero originality to me. It was just missing a spark of life. I mean, I hate to put it so bluntly, but like it sounded like it's it sounded to me like if someone were to make a movie about like a grunge band and they had to or like a hard rock band and they had to like write a bunch of tunes to, just to be in the movie. The that fake, this is what they would write. Yeah. The fake original, <laughs> the fake original you know, like, recordings of this. Yeah. There's this bands fictional like, band. there's movies like that about like yeah. fictional bands and the, and the songs are always just, they're usually, they're a little subpar cause they're rushed and thrown together to be in a fucking movie. And that's what this sounded like to me. So this is the antithesis. Okay. So did you see the newest remake of a star is born? Yeah. Which was fantastic. I was going to mention that because sometimes Sometimes you they fucking nail it, it right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes you write a song and you fucking nail it for a movie. That song is that the whole fucking that whole soundtrack album is, is fantastic. Yeah, I know, I know. I've actually incorporated one or two of those tunes. Sometimes I play those live and I play oh, solo shows. That's fantastic. Dude. I play maybe it's time. That's a beautiful song. I, maybe listen, it's time to let the old ways die. I will listen to I like I've listened to that soundtrack multiple times and I will continue to listen to that soundtrack multiple times because it's really, really just well done. Lucas Nelson and Lady Gaga, I think were probably the two biggest musical minds behind what went into that soundtrack and they're fucking great. Yeah, really, really great. But and Bradley Cooper actually played guitar, I think, for that. 
Did he actually play guitar? I don't know if he played it on like the recording recordings, okay. but I think that he, he plays guitar. I know that, yeah, I know that yeah. he learned guitar and like like everything that you're seeing in the movie was was real. But I don't, yeah. I don't think he probably. I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't want to discount that. But yeah, I don't know that he tracked those or not either. But he did track the vocals on him and like dude's got he's a, pretty good. Yeah, he's yeah, got a pretty pretty good solid voice. actually. Like, yeah. Um. Listen, I'm like you though. I wasn't super into Queen's. I wasn't into this album of Queens of the Stone Age. And yeah. I haven't spent a ton of time with this band. This is not a band that I'm that I'm really, really into. I, I don't I'm gonna say it's stoner metal or stoner rock, whatever you want to call this. I don't really get it. Maybe you just don't get this band. You know? I think that's entirely possible because maybe I think these especially this record. There's just nothing special about it. And I hate to be so blunt, but like the more, the further I got into this, the less and less I wrote to the point that for like one, for like track 12, I just wrote boring. <laughs> uh, and for these aren't the droids you're looking for, I wrote terrible, not worthy of the title it's given. Because that's a Star Wars reference. And you can't just fucking, you can't just fucking take star wars references and write a shitty song like that it's just you know and what did you think about spiders and vinegaroons boring it was it was that was, that was your, one of the wait, instrumental that was your boring ones. no that was I, that was i wrote oh, okay. that was but that was boring too i wrote another boring instrumental because they had a couple boring instrumentals before that in this and it was just drony and spacey but there's no real substance to it like there's no real there's like most of the time you could there's like a thread that carries through a song yeah. and you can tell is like the center point or the melody that wasn't there you know it was just and this is kind of what i'm going to say is and this is something this is like a sense of this is a source of insecurity that i've had with writing music is and this is something i was talking to with a guy that was like recording my band one time a close friend of mine and i was like there's a difference between an actual song and just getting four guys to do the same thing at the same time, right? And he was like, no, that's pretty much what a song is. I was like, I don't think so. I feel like there's there's something more than that. Just because you get four guys or five guys to play the same chords in the same order with the same rhythm, that doesn't necessarily make a song. And that we were kind of arguing about that. And this is like... Just this reinforced that for me because there were so, like, especially on like the interval or the instrumental, like Hispanic. Uh, what's that? I can't, I, I can't even read my oh, own Hispanic impressions. It's just like, just because they're playing the same chords, like, it, it's just, it, it doesn't make it like a good song or even a song. It's just, it's more of just a craft that it's, it's, it's craft and not art for me here. And I hate to be so blunt about it, but. It comes across like as as too like even and mathematical to me, and this is coming from a guy that enjoys the genre called math rock. That's a real <laughs> genre, and I like that. But this is like they're just like, all right, we're gonna take this little riff. It's like, dun, 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 and we're gonna do that six times, and then we're gonna go and we're gonna do this. And just first of all, way too many times they chose for a lot of these things. <laughs> a lot of these they drag on for me. The intros and the outros are too long. And it's just, it's lacking substance for me. I hate to say it. The last sentence that I wrote on the song Hispanic Impressions was, okay, I don't need any more of this one. Dude, exactly. <laughs> they were long. Some of the tunes were really long, too. Some of them were, but I mean, 
Do you have nicer things to say than me? <laughs> I don't know that I have substantially nicer things to say than you. Um, I'm not. Listen, I didn't add this to my digital catalog. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go hunting this down on vinyl for sure. I'm glad that I listened to it. I am glad that I listened to it because I know a lot of people that really, really like Queens of the Stone Age. And I'm hoping that this is just like their first ex foray, their first like little experiment, and it gets a lot better from there. Well, I'll tell you what I think about that statement that you just made. I don't see how I don't I don't know that if this is your starting point. I don't know that this music can evolve into a place where I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to and I'm going to say man this is something that not only I really really enjoy but this is something that I'm going to continue to seek out. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And and the sad thing is like I actually really like Josh Home like I like his voice a lot. Really? Yeah. I'm actually down with it. I think that in the right setting with the right accompaniment I actually think that it could really really work well. But again, it's to me, it's not, it's just not adventurous enough. Yeah. I guess. And just from the very first track for me, the vocals sounded just lazy, like lacking, yeah. lacking intensity. Yes. And I understand why you're saying that. But I also think that that's just, I think that that's a first record. Yeah. Type of, because I do think that, I think that there's enough there in his voice that that could, on subsequent albums, his voice and his lyrical style could end up being a highlight for me. Really? Because I just don't ever think that the guitar playing or any of the other accompanying instruments are going to be that. Yeah. I'm never going to be blown away by this, by the drummer. I did not love the guitar player. I will, I will say it's just like basic kind of pentatonic riffs over and over again Yeah, that you hear on a million other things. And that's what I'm most worried about with subsequent records too, by the way, is I'm worried that we're going to get to this point where it's where, you know, by the time that we listen to the third or fourth record from Queens of the Stone Age, I think both of us are probably going to know exactly what we're going to get. Yeah. And maybe, listen, maybe it gets better and maybe with more exposure, it becomes something that we say, yeah, not only do I know what I'm going to get, but I'm really excited about getting some more of this. Yeah. But we're not going to feel that way about Queens of the Stone Age. Maybe not. I, I don't think I, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. I'm not optimistic about getting there. And just to be clear, when I said that he's playing basic pentatonic licks, I'm not saying that I need some kind of virtuosic, you know, wild flailing guitar player to impress me, but it's lacking feeling for me. Like for me, there's, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's the crazy fucking Steve Vai, you know, Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani, technical, talented, where you're just going to be fucking blown your mind's going to be blown no matter what. And then there's the opposite end, which is like what I think of as the guitar player from the studios. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't, not that he wasn't, unt, he was untalented, but he's relying it's purely feel. on feeling, you know, and something, the thought I was having that I wrote down was like, they're technically talented enough to not rely on feeling, but not technically talented enough to be impressive in any way. So they're at, they're at some mm. not happy. They're at some unhappy medium Yeah, where they're not getting the feel and they're not getting any kind of technical um, virtuosity. There's, yeah, there's you know? no virtuosity that's making you... It, it, nothing's blowing you So away. it's just bland. It's just like, it's just technically talented enough that they're not throwing much feel into it, but not in any sort of good way, 
You know, it's just yeah, it's an unhappy medium. Yeah. No, listen, I hate to say it. I don't even I don't hate even to hate s- to say it. I keep saying that. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't feel bad. That's what I was gonna say. I don't feel bad about this either. It's listen, it's a debut album from a band that um, I'm sure I'm sure tons of people like it, and I'm sure tons of people love it. It's just it's listen, it's not my thing. Me neither. Yeah, it's not my especially thing. this album. I'm I'm gonna re- try to remain optimistic that in the future we'll find better better tracks from these guys. But. Yeah, I agree. So with that being said, I'm listen. Didn't add it. Not looking for vinyl. It, no, it does not, not belong anywhere on the list. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. So we'll we'll move on. And and you know, as we've both said, hopefully we will. Hopefully we will find more stuff. And speaking of more stuff, we forgot to do this last week. Um, you know, mentioning what we're going to be reviewing for the bonus track next. Yes. Week. So next week we're moving on to the next artist on the list from Reddit. And actually the next two I'm super excited about because um, next week we're going to start diving into the flaming lips discography. So give me just a second. Yeah. To figure out what their first record was. Is that where we're going to start? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go a long way back. So we're going to go back to 1986 and 86 yes i didn't realize they were that old holy shit the title of the album is here it is okay are you familiar with that one i've never listened to listen i've never listened to anything before transmissions from the satellite heart which wow. was released in 1990 and you're like a diehard i love the flaming lips how many records are there <laughs> sorry to make you count I mean, technically, I guess there's 24. Wow. That, I mean, that's... We might have to pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. I mean, not not might. I mean, we should definitely pick and choose a little bit. And this is... Listen, this is a band that I would... There's a part of me, though, that... Like, because I've never explored anything before 1993, and, and for those of you that are un, completely unfamiliar, Transmissions from the Satellite Heart was the album that has... Um, she likes jelly on it, which was like the first kind of MTV hit. Gotcha. Um, or she don't use jelly. I'm sorry. Totally fucking butchered the That's okay. that song. She don't use jelly. Um, but I mean, there's there's five albums before that, and so I kind of want to hear something before transmissions from the satellite heart. I think we, it's worthwhile to do their debut. Okay. Just so you get the you know you should get the beginning of the story. Yeah. Especially if we're going to do several albums from them. I mean, I easily think that we should. We should pick out at least five, and I think we should probably do six because I'm good with the six. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with here it is, and then we should do transmissions from the satellite heart. Um, probably clouds taste metallic, without question the soft bullets and Yoshimi Valves of pink robots at war with the mystics. Embryonic. I don't know if we're at six yet. But that was seven. Fuck. I think. Man. All right. Listen. Next week, we're going to start with here it is. Yeah, and we'll decide from there. We'll decide from there. And maybe what we do is maybe we do, you know, we do something that there's no familiarity with. And you're not familiar with any of the catalog, correct? Yoshimi now, after you had recommended that a couple weeks ago. So you've dug into that. Yeah, I probably listened to it five times. So it's hard. That's a tough one not to listen to. Just yeah, ad nauseum. 
this, let's do this, right? When we circle back around to the Flaming Lips, which is going to be a while, right? Because after this, we're moving on to Alice in Chains, and we have My Morning Jacket, Moody Blues, um, Elliot Smith, Hot Rats, in the Court of the Crimson King, and Animals. So we're going to have a long time before we circle back around to the Flaming Lips, but I say that let's we'll do their debut next week. So next week, we're going to do the 1986 release. Here it is, which is the first release from the Flaming Lips. And then the next time we circle back around to him, maybe we'll jump way ahead. And maybe not, we'll jump ahead, yeah. Yeah, and not necessarily do Yoshimi since you've dug into that, but dig into something from deeper in the catalog that you haven't from before done that. Yeah, maybe the Soft Bulletin because the Soft Bulletin was released right before Yoshimi, and so you get like yeah. a pretty similar sound. Yeah, we should definitely do like, or we could do embryonic. several of them, yeah. you know. But like a lot, of, some of these. Uh, the the problem with this is some of these guys on this list have like five albums and some and some have, have like 20 20 yeah so <laughs> some we might have to limit others we might not have to yeah know? yep i so. agree completely so um like yeah my so, morning jacket probably won't have to limit we can probably do all those because yeah. there's only like five or six right they might they might have eight might have eight time. we can do eight but i mean jacket but i mean albums. tool has six tool has six or seven yeah fleet foxes is we're going to run out of fleet foxes because fleet foxes only has four yeah um but you know, Alice in Chains. If you just stick with the Lane Staley Alice in Chains, which is what I'm assuming they're referring to. Yes, yeah, that's what we should do. You know, there you're really talking about five or six albums. Yeah, and but Moody Blues is another one that Moody probably Blues has is, like thirty or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if we did the whole discography, there it'd be terrible. But we will be doing one very special one called Days of Future Past. I Days think. Of, yes. Yeah. Days of Future Past, and that's going to be we're going to have a very special guest wonderful guest host it's and, april leonard yes and she is absolutely in love with this album it's one that really really <clears> stuck <throat> with her and so um when we get to moody blues which will be in a few weeks from now we might actually because days of future past i believe is the second album from moody blues who is it yeah and so we would only have to we would have to bypass the debut to do days of future past first maybe so, we'll do that one first yeah we'll talk yeah. about that we'll talk about that um but next but, week is the first record from the flaming list. The flaming list. Entitled Here It Is. So if you want to play along, that's what we're going to be doing next week. And as always, um, thanks for sticking around for the bonus content. Thanks for sticking around for listening to the rest of uh Rex Todd's comments. Yes. And we will we'll see you next Friday. We'll be here next Friday. Thanks, guys. Days away. Bye bye. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. Bye-bye. Bye. We're clear. In the clear. In the clear.